From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Hey, welcome aboard. Good to have you here. And uh, thanks, as always, for allowing me into your home and inside your head. And thank you for your ears. Anyways, wherever you are, I pray you're safe, warm, dry, and well-fed. Uh, once again, I want to welcome new affiliate KBEL AM 1240 in Idabel, Oklahoma, uh, which also serves uh, the Shreveport or Shreveport, Louisiana uh, area as well. Uh, but I believe the station is located in Idabel, Oklahoma. Thank you, KBEL 1240, for making the Conspiracy Show part of your weekly lineup. And whether you're listening in on our flagship station here, AM 740 Zuma Radio out of Toronto, uh, or online at zoomaradio.ca, or one of our growing list of affiliates throughout the United States, uh, or maybe even the podcast. Hell, maybe you're even uh, uh, off the grid, and you're listening to The Conspiracy Show on a hand-cranked radio. However you're receiving the program, uh, welcome. Um, medical journalist and publisher... Uh, editor of Vitality Magazine, Helka Ferry, uh, was to be with us in this hour to discuss Lyme disease. As you know, next month, May, is Lyme Disease Awareness Month. Um, we had some technical difficulties hooking up with Helki for tonight, but she will be joining us in a few weeks in May, as I say, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, when it will be Lyme Disease Awareness Month. And we'll talk about what many people are calling the invisible epidemic. When you look at the statistics, it's, actually, it's quite frightening. And um, very difficult, as I understand it, particularly in certain regions of this country, Ontario, British Columbia, uh, to get a proper diagnosis and to get proper treatment. So instead, uh, I thought it'd be a good idea to do an hour of open lines because it's been too long. And I tell you, I get a lot of uh, emails um, and tweets, people asking me, you know, why don't you take more calls? And I wish I, wish I had a four-hour show. Uh, and I could do more of that, but we're going to do it now, right now. Open lines, uh, until we dim the lights here. Um, so here's what you need to do to call into the program. And I know we roll these phone numbers out, uh, out coming out and going into breaks, but I'm going to break with format here and give you these numbers right now to phone into the program. It's you, me, and the telephone for the next hour. 416 in the greater Toronto area, 416-360-0740. And toll free from just about anywhere, 1-866-740-4740. 1-866-740-4740. All right? So as a, an old uh, colleague uh, in radio of mine, uh, Jim Richards, used to say, scratch that into the dust on your dashboard <laughs> so you'll remember it. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start running my mouth and speaking my mind on a whole range of topics over the next hour. And you can jump in and join the conversation. Or you can bring up something else you'd like to talk about. Uh, keeping in mind, of course, this is the conspiracy show. And so we discuss, yes, <laughs> conspiracies. But we also talk about the strange, the weird, the supernatural, the paranormal. And we do it in a mutually respectful and responsible way. So if you think you're going to get on the air and spread venom and hate, think again. But if you want to discuss Lyme disease, for example, in Helky Fairy's absence, I'd very much like to hear from people who've had or who have Lyme disease. I'd like to know what your experience has been, whether you were able to, to get a proper diagnosis and proper treatment. And recently, 
Uh, I spoke to WorldNet Daily's David Kupilian about the continuing saga at the uh, Bundy Ranch in Nevada. And I know a lot of people stopped caring about what's happening there in Nevada after Bundy started shooting his mouth off. Even a lot of conservative commentators have abandoned this story, and that's a shame. Because what's happening in Nevada, I truly believe, is tyrannical and it's a fundamental abuse of power. And and let me say again, and I've stated this previously, I don't believe Cliven Bundy is a racist. He's an old guy who says things in a very politically incorrect way and sometimes in an unfortunate way. But if you look at the video, not just the little tiny five-second excerpts where he's used the term Negro or colored people, which is unfortunate, but that's a throwback to an earlier time, and he's an old guy. But if you look at the video and you hear what he said in its entirety, I don't see how you can come away with any other conclusion that, yes, he doesn't say things in the best way, but his heart is in the right place. This is not the heart of a venal, hateful person. This is not like Donald Sterling, that clown who's the, who, who owns the, the, uh, the L.A. Clippers. The horrible things he said. That is the heart of a venal, hateful person. Cliven Bundy is an old codger from a, a bygone era whose heart is in the right place. I challenge you to read the full excerpt or look at that video and come up with another a, a conclusion. Take the time. It's that important. Don't just listen to John Stewart and look at those little snippets and say, oh, he's a racist. We should stop caring about what happens to the Bundy family. This is serious. This is an abuse of power. And if we start saying, well, we don't care about tyranny, if the people affected are people that we disagree with. That's not how it works. That's not that's not how freedom works. That's not how you defend freedom. All right, uh, let's go to the phones. Dan from Indianapolis, and uh, welcome to the program. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It says here, Dan, you wanted to talk about Phil Marshall, and uh, there's a name that goes back a while, the late Phil Marshall, who wrote uh, The Big Bamboozle about uh, 9-11, I had uh, Phil on my program on the radio a couple of times, interviewed him in Santa Monica, and then I received a horrible email one day that Phil had allegedly shot his two children before turning the gun on himself. I understand you want to talk about Phil. Yes, myself and a couple others uh, are citizen investigators here uh, covering the case. I have never met Phil or his family I um, thought it extremely strange uh, when the situation went down and decided to follow the story a little bit. And uh, right off the bat, things didn't uh, didn't add up at all as far as the situation. This is a Northern California house where Phil lived with his children, and he's going through a divorce at the time. But uh, Phil's also a former CIA pilot during the mid-early 80s years before the Contra, Iran-Contra really took off. So uh, very interesting as far as how quickly the local sheriff's department uh, put this case together, wrapped it up, tied it off with a bow, called it a suicide, and uh, a suicide uh, homicide. Yes. Uh, yes. Ruled it a, uh, a double double homicide, and then he turned the gun on himself. So. Well, um, I, I didn't I didn't know Phil Marshall that well. I did meet him in person in Santa Monica. We shot an episode for the TV show, which is yet to air, and, and we're confident that one day it will. What can you tell about a person? You know, you meet face-to-face for about two hours. We spoke on the phone a number of times. Uh, he was on, on the radio show a couple of times. 
Here's the interesting thing, uh, Dan, is I had a, a fairly lengthy email thread with him. He would check in with me to see, well, has the TV episode aired yet? And I would say, no, it's been delayed and so on and so forth. Then a couple months later, I get this email from a listener with the uh, the link to the, the newspaper uh, with this horrible story. And I don't know, maybe I'm uh, this is kind of morose or morbid of me, but often what I do when I hear of someone dying that I've known I go back into my email and I say, well, what was our last conversation about? I don't know why I do that, but I do it. I'm here to tell you, I never, ever delete emails unless it's spam. Because I, I guess I'm not very organized. All my contact information is, and, and Tim is you know, nodding in frustration, my producer, saying, yes, why don't you put this stuff into a database? We're always scrambling to find the numbers for the guests we have on the program. And I, here I am searching through my emails. That's how I organize my sources. All their phone numbers, all their contact information is in my email. So I never, ever delete those types of emails. So I went looking for my, my email thread with Phil Marshall, and it was gone. There must have been a dozen emails uh, stretching over maybe a year and a half, including emails that we had while we were on the road in Santa Monica saying, okay, we're, we're arriving at Santa Monica Pier, where will we meet you, and so forth. All of that, it was in there. All gone. And I thought, isn't this strange? Isn't this, I've never, this has never happened to me before. So I'm wondering, in your investigation, have you talked to other people where they've noticed similar things happening and they're, you know, that have had contact with Phil and then all of a sudden, I don't know, emails have been tampered with, that sort of thing? Well, uh, Mr. Marshall is working on a new book. He was a big 9 11 uh, investigator himself, being a former pilot. He was the basically the leading uh, authority on 9 11 from a from a pilot perspective. Yeah, he and, lost you know, colleagues. Some of his colleagues were the pilots on those United Airlines flights. He was a United Airlines pilot, and he was, I believe he launched a class action lawsuit against President Bush and Dick Cheney and so forth on behalf of those families. Yeah, he was, he was part of, he was uh, certainly part of that, and he spoke on, on C-SPAN once and did a speaking uh, on the whole case. He was very close with former Senator Bob Graham, that's, that's right. He was the, the, the chair, the co-chair of the first 9-11 investigation, not the whitewash that came later that had that was funded. Uh, well, basically, uh, I think they spent more on George Bush's re-election barbecue celebration after he was elected. They spent more on that barbecue, I read, than they did on the second 9-11 commission, sort of what's been known as the official one. But there was one before that, and that was chaired by Florida Senator Bob Graham, moderate Republican, and he was the one that was connecting the dots between members of the Saudi royal family and these terrorists. And uh, Bob Graham was, was told that if you publish this report, as is, you will go to jail. So it was heavily redacted. Uh, Dan, can you hold on through the break? Yes. Yeah, I, wa I want to take a time out, come back, and, and uh, Dan is with us from Indianapolis, who uh, is launching an investigation uh, into the death of Phil Marshall, the author of 9-11, The Big Bamboozle. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show and your calls. If you've got a line, hold on to it. I'm back with more in a moment. My name is Richard Serrett. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. To speak to Richard live, call 416-360-0740. 
Uh, welcome back. I thought it was um, high time that we did some open lines on the program. We don't get an opportunity very often, but tonight is it. So if you've got a line, hold on to it. We have a full board of lines, but uh, be patient. Dan is on the line from Indianapolis, who is launching an investigation into the, the death. Well, it's been billed as a, officially as a murder-suicide. Uh, Philip Marshall, uh, who has been on this program a couple of times, back in February of 2013, I believe he lived near Santa Barbara, was found dead in his home of an apparent self-inflicted gunshot and also dead his two teenage children. Horrible, horrible story. Now, Dan, your investigation, first of all, why did you get involved in this? Well, I got involved mainly because of the the family aspect of it. Um, Having two teenage children myself, it kind of hit home when I I followed the story and couldn't believe uh, anyone doing this, much less a guy like Phil, who I... Kind of, uh, after reading a lot about him, very similar to myself, easygoing guy, very active with the kids' lives and stuff like that. And then you hear this story where he um, shot the two children while they were sleeping at close range, one bullet shot to the head while sleeping on the sofa for both of the children, both on the sofa and the family dog, and then turned the gun on himself. It, it didn't ring too true uh, as far as... Uh, how it all went down. It seemed too goofy to me um, in a situation like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, interested. yeah, I, I'm wondering, um, you know, it's been suggested, and this is only a theory with no, no proof uh, to back it up, and maybe you'll find something, that, you know, there's no better way to discredit someone and to silence them. If you want to silence them and discredit them at the same time, you don't simply suicide them. In other words, kill them and make it look like a suicide. You suicide them, and then you also turn them into a homicidal maniac by, you know, murdering members of the family. That's a pretty good way of discrediting someone and silencing them at the same time. And so it's been suggested that this was essentially a black ops to silence and discredit Phil Marshall because he was getting too close to the truth when it came uh, to to 9-11. What are your thoughts? Correct. I I believe the the way this is, the narrative and the story how this has been run has been a, basically a major smear campaign, a discredit campaign. Uh, him and uh, his estranged wife were, were getting ready to get a divorce. Um, they were on good terms. Um, he was helping her get into a new business. They went on a trip to Turkey a month before. So they've been very amicable getting getting uh, getting this business started up. But if you read the, the narrative in the, in the local newspaper, they were on their outs with the divorce. It was a messy divorce, it claimed. They had problems with the kids. He was using pain medications. It was very slanted one direction. Now, Phil was on uh, you know, disability after being a, a pilot with Eastern Airlines, and he did have the back, his, his, his continuing back, uh, back pain, back problems. So he was on his medication. But the, the way the media slanted it was uh, he was addicted to painkillers. He was on outs with, with, the, uh, with the wife. So they had just also had another uh, trip planned out to Turkey two weeks after the um, you know the murders of the bodies were found. So he was in no way uh, on on bad terms with the ex uh, with the ex-wife. Yeah, as you say, it doesn't seem to add up. But again, um, you know, we need to ev- evidence, and and I hope I wish you the best of luck with your investigation. Uh, we'll check in with you from time to time if you get any 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 leads. But I understand in the meantime you've um, you've got a Facebook page sort of dedicated to, uh, I think it's called Justice for Phil Marshall. Tell me about that. Yeah, the uh, Facebook page we started up and now has, um, I believe, about 290 uh, members on the page. It's called Justice 
for Philip, Alex, and Michaela Marshall. It's for the whole family. It's not just for Phil. It's, uh, it's dedicated to finding justice and getting the truth out on this, uh, what we, we call is a triple homicide that took place in their family home in Murphy's, California. And so we've got, we've got posting their uh, articles, links, um, reports, the police reports, different comments uh, from locals in the, in the community and people who have done uh, additional research. Um, we've got family members of uh, Phil as, as uh, friends in the group as well. So it's a pretty good group that we've got there, and um, none of it doesn't really tie together the official story. And all we're doing is doubting the official story. We don't have really, um, you know, uh, assumptions on what was done that day. We just we have we have stripped out what we know to not have taken place, and and none of the evidence leads to a uh, double double murder uh, followed by a suicide. Uh, Dan, are you going to hire uh, like a professional private investigator, or maybe you're, you're one yourself? I don't know, but are you are you going to recruit people to help you with this investigation? Right now, it's all been just uh, on the citizen side. Uh, we've had a couple a group go out there, they've done some talking and some interviews with the, with the uh, with the locals and the neighbors, but so far nothing's been in the plans uh, as far as that. All right, listen, uh, I understand, I'm uh, just checking my email, you've sent me a link to that Facebook page, and, and um, uh, what I'll try to do is uh, I'll, I'll post that on my website, and, and uh, again, it's Justice for Philip, Alex, and, is it Michaela? Michaela, yes. Michaela, the daughter, yes, we can't forget the two children in this horrible tragedy. Well, I hope you get to the truth, uh, Dan, and anything I can do, uh, because as I said, I, I did have the, uh, uh, the occasion to meet uh, Philip face to face on one occasion and uh, talk with him a couple of times on the radio and I, I was absolutely uh, shocked when I heard about his his um, his death and under those horrible circumstances an alleged murder suicide. So again, I wish you the best of luck. Anything I can do, let me know and uh, hopefully we'll talk again. Excellent. Thank you. All right. Thanks for the call, Dan and uh, Tim. Where are we going next? Okay. And who's the caller? Just give me a name. All right. Let's say hi to Rose. Rose, are you there? Oh, hello. Hi, Rose. Um, Welcome to The Conspiracy hi. Show. Good morning. Oh, good morning. I'm a long-time listener, and I'm calling from Toronto. Welcome. I was wondering um, if you would be willing to share any personal insights or perspectives you might have on um, the crisis in the Ukraine. There's been some really disturbing news coming out about violence in, on many levels, and, you know, my heart goes out to all the people there. But um, a lot of the media reports seem to focus on... Um, for instance, Vladimir Putin's, you know, personal psychological profile or um, or ethnic tensions. And I was wondering if you had any insights on um, if there could be military or or economic causes underlying the conflict, and if so, um, what you think might be happening? Well, I, 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 as I always say, nothing is as it appears, uh, certainly in the mainstream media. Uh, what I said from the, the get-go, and I, and I stand by this. Uh, this is about um, this is about essentially putting missiles in Ukraine, NATO missiles, and tightening the noose around Russia. Uh, going back to the uh, the fall of the Berlin Wall, there was an agreement struck uh, between the United States and the former Soviet Union that they would not expand NATO right into Russia's sphere of influence. In other words, you know, uh, past East Berlin. Uh, and so what has happened since then? All of these former Eastern Bloc uh, countries that were once within the sphere of the Soviet Empire have now become NATO countries. Look at Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania. 
uh, look at uh, uh, Poland. There are now missiles, uh, I believe, in Poland. Uh, and so the, the idea is, in order to further uh, U.S. European hegemony, who's standing in their way? Countries like Russia and China. And so to tighten the noose on, on Russia. And th- listen, there's no doubt that Vladimir Putin, at, his, at, his, at the depth of his soul, he's a nationalist. He would, he's, he's on record as saying, you know, one of the greatest tragedies was when the Soviet Empire collapsed. He would love to see a greater Russia. So, you know, he does have to be contained somewhat. Is he Hitler? Absolutely not. He is not Adolf Hitler. Is he a communist? Absolutely not. All we hear about Vladimir Putin from the West is former KGB agent Vladimir Putin. Well, if you go back to uh, the dying days of the Soviet Union, remember those iconic images of former... Uh, the late president, Boris Yeltsin, standing on the Soviet tank, waving the Russian flag, uh, denouncing uh, the former you know, uh, Soviet empire uh, as the, the, the tanks were bombarding the, 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 the parliament buildings in Moscow. And uh, Boris Yeltsin was hailed as a hero. Well, what many, many people may have forgotten was that in St. Petersburg, Vladimir Putin was doing the same thing quit the KGB, denounced communism. In fact, when he was a KGB spy in West Germany, that's when he became acquainted with the free market, free enterprise, democracy, and he became a fan. And one of the first things he did when he was finished that mission was to head back to St. Petersburg and uh, uh, hook up with his old economics professor. His name escapes me at the moment, but he is sort of considered the Milton Friedman of Russia free market capitalist. He lived with him for a, t- for a time and uh, uh, became a free market capitalist, denounced communism, again, in the, in the d- dying days of the, of the Soviet Union, um, was basically out there like Boris Yeltsin, standing up to, the, uh, to the, the old regime. So he's not a communist, and he's certainly no Hitler. Um, he's a bit of a, an autocrat, no doubt, uh, one might argue that that's exactly what Russia needs. You know, you don't go from communism to, you know, total democracy and free enterprise overnight. It takes time. There needs to be a transition. Uh, I've read, and I, I, I agree to a certain point, that Vladimir Putin may be the greatest Russian leader since Peter the Great. If, you've look, if you look at what he's done for the standard of living in Russia, um, as someone who is a, uh, an Orthodox Christian, he has uh, rebuilt... 23,000 Russian Orthodox churches, given all the land back to the Orthodox Church that was taken from them by communists. He wears a crucifix in public. He's a, he, he loves to talk about the Bible. I believe he is a God-fearing Christian. And so I do not buy for a moment this characterization as Putin as a Hitler. He is not. Uh, see- sorry, go ahead. No, I didn't mean to interrupt your story. I wanted to ask your follow-up thoughts on... Um when the media discusses the Baltic republics as though it were related to the Ukraine, do you feel that's um, an exaggeration or, or do you feel that that's a misleading, um, I guess, direction? You're talking about Latvia, Estonia, and Lithuania. Yes, yes. Well, it seems to be expanding the thought that they're, that they're related as well. Or do you, do you feel that's um, an unfair um, um, projection? Well, uh, you know, put yourself in Vladimir Putin's uh, place. Uh, he sees this eastward expansion of NATO, uh, despite assurances that it wouldn't happen. So essentially, 
the Russians were lied to by the West. They were told that NATO wouldn't expand in that way. Uh, do you want nuclear missiles pointing at you in Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania? Well, the United States, well, let's go back 52 years to the Cuban Missile Crisis when the rules were reversed and Khrushchev had put missiles, nuclear missiles, in Cuba. How did the United States react to that? We almost, we were on the cusp of World War III. And so this is the new Cold War, except now the roles are reversed. And it's the United States and the and NATO trying to put the squeeze on Russia. Uh, and this time, we don't have Jack Kennedy in the White House to get us out of this mess. So um, I can't necessarily blame for Putin to try and exert the old Russian influence on the Baltic republics again and in the eastern part of Ukraine. Those regions in Ukraine now that are being uh, experiencing this tension, they actually have a history of being independent countries. Unlike, for example, Kosovo in, uh, in Serbia, which unilaterally, it's, you know, it's okay for Kosovo to secede, but it's not okay for certain parts of Ukraine to secede. If, it's, you know, if the West and the CIA is in agreement with a country splitting away from another country, then it's okay. But when Russia does it, or when a country secedes and, and wants to throw their lot in with Russia, all of a sudden, you know, that's not on. So the hypocrisy here is rampant. Now, you know, I'm not saying that, that Vladimir Putin is, you know, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's got some baggage, obviously. But I'm trying to put my, myself in his place, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out how we can get out of this thing without starting World War III. And I, I just don't see a lot of uh, um, a brilliance on the part of the U.S. foreign policy. It seems to me like they're really trying to push this thing in, in towards a, an acute angle, like they want to stand off. Oh, yes. Well, thank you so much for your insights. And I, I really enjoy your show. I'm a longtime listener for many years. So, so thank you very much. Rose, I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Good night. Good night. All right, if you've got a line, hold on to it. We will get to you. Open lines till the top of the hour, 416-360-0740. And toll-free from just about anywhere, 1-866-740-4740, The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Say, this is going so well, we'll have to do this more often. Open lines until the uh, top of the hour. And um, we can talk about the um, uh, the, uh, the Bundy Ranch. We can talk about Lyme disease. We do have an upcoming show on Lyme disease during Lyme Disease Awareness Month. But uh, um, from what I'm understanding, it's very difficult for those who believe they have Lyme disease. And it can it can masquerade as many different diseases. Any, everything from multiple sclerosis to heart disease uh, to uh, uh, um, arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, and all this from a corkscrew-shaped bacterium, a, a tick. Uh, and it's now, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're finding out, sexually transmitted. It can be in the blood supply, and yet it's not being screened for. This is a horrible, scary situation. Uh, and I'm understanding that it's difficult to get a proper diagnosis, particularly here in Ontario, because the doctors don't get it. They deny it, many of them. They'll say, it's your imagination, or it's something else. And so they're not getting a proper diagnosis, these patients. Therefore, they're not getting treated properly. And those doctors that are, that are up to speed on treating Lyme disease are chased out of the profession, threatened with some sort of 
punishment or penalty if they go through the um, what is now understood to be the proper treatment, which I believe uh, involves massive doses of antibiotics. So even if you get a, a diagnosis here in Ontario, for example, they won't treat you. They'll say, go to the U.S., you're better off there. Or if they do treat you, it's done on the QT. In fact, they'll take patients' files home so they don't get caught. That's what it's come to. That's how serious this is. So if you've, if you have Lyme disease or know someone who has it, would like to hear what your experiences uh, are like. All right. Uh, who do we have? Uh, shall we go to Claire next? Let's go with uh, Claire. And where's Claire calling from? Claire is in Toronto. Welcome to the Conspiracy Show. Sorry, we're having a little trouble with our phone lines, so we're doing sort of a fireman brigade here with the water buckets uh, to get the phones on the air. Hi, Claire. Hi, long time no here. Um, no, I listen to you all the time, but I haven't called in. But um, I just want to make a comment on this gentleman, um, elderly gentleman, Mr. Bundy. Yes. He's not racist. He's just using old-fashioned terminology. And... Um, you know, I, I think a lot of black people know that he's not racist. People are not stupid. Um, and a lot of these progressive people really can um, play on, um, you know, that they, they kind of like to condescend to the black people with their progressive political correctness. And they don't fool any black people. We're not that stupid. We know genuine people when we hear them. It's the man is just using... You can hear the genuineness in his words and in his speech. And um, black people are not stupid, as some people would like to believe, you know. Uh, I, I'm glad to hear your perspective, uh, Claire. Yes, uh, because not racist. We know the difference. Negro means black. I don't care what you're going to say. Any, any old terminology or even new scientific, the word Negro or melanin, they both translate into black. And that's just the truth. Right. People must love the truth. That's it. Uh, it's 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 nice to hear that uh, because oh, yes. you know a lot of us are 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 thinking the same thing, and we're yes. we're in this we're in this culture now, this environment where we're afraid to say things that are obvious. It's people who are phony. They want to play phony games, and it's not only with color; they do it with all kinds of religious things. You know, they are very phony people, and they want to use their phoniness to to get their way. You know, it's not. I don't fool anybody with slightly intelligent, really. Well, again, I, and I wish people would would uh, would look at the full video, and it's available. Yes. I think I'll post it online and hear what he actually said. Yeah, yeah. When he says, let me talk about the Spanish people. You know, I understand they come over here against our Constitution and cross our borders, but they're yes. here and they're people, and I've worked side by side with a lot of them. Don't tell me they don't work. Don't tell me they don't pay taxes. Don't tell me they don't have better family structure than most of us white people. That does That's not sound like a racist. Yes, he's just speaking the truth. But people like to twist. Some people can twist anything you say into something else because they're liars and they're experts at it. Appreciate your call, Claire. Thank you. God bless. God bless you. Yeah, if you want to shoot somebody, the first thing you do is you demonize them. And that's what the New York Times is doing. So if you believe that Clive and Bundy is this reprehensible racist, then look at the full video. Hear what he actually said. The New York Times manipulated, twisted. And I know everybody says, oh, this was taken out of context. Everybody, that's the sort of the, the last defense of everybody, right, who says something. Oh, it was taken out of context. In this case, it was. 
you're getting little five-second uh, snippets. Oh, he's, he used the word Negro. He used the, the term colored people. Therefore, he's a racist. No. Dig a little deeper. Do your homework. This is serious. This could escalate. We could have, we could have dozens and dozens of people shot dead if this, if this goes the wrong way. Innocent people. All right, uh, let's say hello to, oh, it's our good friend, Douglas Cottrell, the man with x-ray eyes, a reg, no stranger to this program. <laughs> Douglas, how are you, my friend? Uh, thank you, uh, Richard. Uh, I'm driving home here from London, uh, back to the center in Hamilton, listening to your show, as I usually do on Sunday nights. And I thought I'd call in since you've opened the, the lines up here. Yes. It's been a long, long time since you've done this. I think, indeed, you should do it more often. Uh, good idea. I will. I will. I was uh, listening to uh, your previous guest about uh, the uh, Mr. Bundy and uh, and the uh, the situation in Nevada, and it, I thought I'd call up and say my uh, my impression tonight, if you if you care to have it. Absolutely. Um, you're right. This is a watershed situation going on. Uh, the nation is super sensitive to uh, these these terms and the situation where they're too quick to pull out the guns. And, uh, the government taking sides or forcing people into situations. Uh, and the, as they can see, the watershed, this uh, situation, this grassroots situation is growing where people are really angry and they're not going to take it anymore. Uh, the, the government is practicing, uh, isolation and alienation when they, uh, take these, these, uh, comments that this poor man made out of context. I think any reasonable person listening to the video that you've alluded to or you're going to post on your website uh, would see right away that the man was talking casually. He's not a professional uh, in the media. He's not being interviewed as if he were watching every word, if he was trying to make points. He was just speaking off the cuff. And I think the whole idea that uh, the government's going to send in armed people with snarling dogs and uh, militia, uh, not militia, rather uh, government forces, uh, to collect a few bills because the man has had a few cattle grazing on uh, on government land that they've done historically. It's absolutely a sign of the times that government uh, is now turning into this tyranny that uh, they're attacking the little guys for the gain of a few. And I think the fact that this man's son is now in part and parcel with the uh, uh, foreign powers who want to profit by the use of this government. Land. Oh, Senator Harry Reid, exactly. Listen, Douglas, can you hold on through the break? Sure, can. Because I'd like to find out what else is going on with uh, Douglas Cottrell, Canada's Edgar Casey. here as we do open lines on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Open lines uh, until we dim the lights here and say goodnight for another uh, edition of The Conspiracy Show. On the line now is uh, our good friend Douglas Cottrell, uh, Canada's Edgar Casey, the man with x-ray eyes and who's been on this program uh, countless times, uh, remote viewer, medical intuitive. Uh, and, D Douglas, you've got the, um, the spiritual center in, uh, in uh, Hamilton Beach, not far from here. Uh, mm -hmm. What else is going on with you? Well, well let me finish my uh, my prediction for Mr. Bundy is that he's going to start a movement that we're going to see more and more of militia or people grouping together, the American spirit. I don't think it's going to be violent. I think that the government is going to have second uh, thoughts 
um, the man's going to be somewhat of a hero as much as they're trying to, uh, you know, if you want to destroy somebody, you have to destroy their reputation. I think this is going to backfire. That's my prediction. And uh, I think that there's more and more because of the the people in middle government, the judiciary, they're now looking at the situation and saying this is hor- horrific. And somewhat as a watershed, as an icon, this man's a pivotal point in, in uh, the U.S. policy. And I think we're going to see more and more support for this man and people like him. So that's my prediction, uh, uh, Richard. Uh, I'm off to New York in June. Uh, to be, I'm invited to the uh, Edgar Casey New York City um, uh, organization to do a, uh, a demonstration of uh, the deep trance meditation, the same as the, and the Edgar Casey method which is the first time I think anybody has ever been invited to do that. So it's uh, um, uh, kind of a big uh, uh, deal for me and for people who um, who are looking for somebody like Edgar Casey. And, of course, Ross Peterson, uh, Paul Solomon, and myself have all demonstrated this ability. And so that's what I'm up to. I'm uh, also here in, in Hamilton at the Mini Mansion Spiritual Center and have my website, douglasjamescottrell.com, and, I hope a million people buy my book about the new renaissance, uh, which is a forward look uh, of predictions made for 2012 and beyond. Other than that, I'm listening to your show every Sunday now. I appreciate that, uh, Douglas. Listen, we'll have to get you back in studio soon. Absolutely. It's just uh, uh, tonight's topic was just great with uh, this this man in Nevada, and uh, I I encourage you to do more. I know you have a lot of fans out there and probably some more calls to get to, so... Uh, I'll say adios, but I uh, look forward to coming on down to the studio soon. All right, my friend, we'll be in touch. Thank you. Douglas Cottrell. Take care. Thank you. All right, uh, up next is, uh, is it Fred in Michigan, Tim? All right, hello, Fred. Good morning. Hello. Hi there. Hi. Uh, I was going to kind of talk a little bit about Vladimir. Vladimir but, Putin, uh, yes. Yeah, but I just uh, wanted to reflect on the Bundy uh, standoff. Sure, sure. And, uh, you know, we don't get news like we used to here in the States at all. And the only way to get news is to, like, read the Daily Mail, uh, papers from overseas on the Internet. And uh, the BBC had a program with uh, Hank Paulson, who uh, got TARP together. Right. To uh, The big bank bailout. Right. And apparently on this show, he uh, he pleaded with the Chinese not to dump their treasury bonds because it would have uh, destroyed the dollar. Right, and well, and they are starting to do that. Uh, they're doing these, uh, you know, direct almost barter deals with Russia in Iran. You know, the only the only country in the world right now that's buying U.S. treasury bonds, and this is strange, it's Belgium. 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 Yeah, and what's even stranger is the United States printed up a whole slew of dollars and gave it to them so that they could buy treasuries. Hey, when, you, when you're the world reserve currency, you can, uh, you can basically do what you want. And when you're Greece and you can't print your own money, well, we see what happened there. The United States, that's the only difference between you, the United States and Greece. The U.S. gets to print as much money as it wants, and Greece can't do that. Well, you know, Richard Nixon closed the gold window back in 1971. That's right. And sure made the French mad because they couldn't get any more gold, you know, for their dollars. And what we've been doing since is printing gold, essentially gold. The United States said no more gold 
in transactions, it's going to be the dollar. And we're going to have the ability to print these dollars. So, in effect, we're printing gold. And all these fake gold certificates, you know, they aren't gold certificates. They're backed by nothing. When the dollar does have its demise, <clears throat> demise it's really going to make a lot of people mad because they're, what they think is gold is going to be worthless. That's right. And in the meantime, the United States is shipping gold hand over fist to the east, places like Hong Kong and Shanghai and India, uh, in order uh, to depress the, the price of gold, in order to prop up the dollar. Because when gold starts to go up, 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 that's an indicator to the world that something is wrong. Uh, and people will then lose their faith in these fiat currencies. So the gold market has been totally manipulated by these bullion banks and the Fed. Right, and uh, we made sure that, you know, we got Ukraine's gold and we put it in a safe place here in the United States. And that was a story that didn't get a lot of currency in the mainstream media, that the, uh, it was at the New York Fed. Essentially, they landed a helicopter in Kiev and, uh, or a transport plane, loaded it up uh, with Ukrainian gold and, 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 and took it back. Uh, right after this, essentially, this coup d'etat that took place in Ukraine. People forget about that. <laughs> it was, uh, it was, they had an elected government. People may not have liked him, but he was elected, duly elected. Uh, then there was this coup, uh, led largely by a rather disturbing bunch of, uh, neo-Nazis, Svoboda, the right sector, and so forth. And then the gold disappears. Right, and you know what else? Uh, already they're saying, uh, that that gold's been recast. And it's uh, been going back to Germany because to, Germany's been insisting on, you know, getting their gold back. And we've been hemming and hawing about that. Because uh, it's not there. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got a little shipment to them, I guess. I think they said they'd pay, they'd, they'd give about, uh, was it 7 or seven or 10 percent over the next three or five years? Yeah, I mean, if the gold's there, you give it back. If it's not, then you've got to do a tap dance. Uh, Fred, did you want to talk about Bundy at all or uh, Vladimir well, Putin? Well, what I wanted to stress was that, you know, the United States is on sale right now, <clears throat> and China is really buying up the U.S., and that's what's going on in Nevada. In fact, uh, Paulson, I guess, made a deal with uh, the Chinese that, you know, they could essentially buy up our, you know, land, the, you know, the uh, federal lands out west and different areas of the country, vast lands, and uh, it's sort of like collateral to the Chinese so that they don't dump our treasuries. And uh, this agreement is uh, what's keeping the U.S. afloat right now. Well, you have to wonder, you know, it's mm -hmm. been 20 years uh, since Clive and Bundy uh, paid any of these grazing fees, and it's been through the courts, back and forth, uh, and you know maybe the the, the Bureau of Land Ma Measurement or Man Management has a case legally maybe, uh, but you have to wonder why now are they ramping it up? And if you're if you're correct, uh, and and Senator Harry Reid's son was involved in this deal to sell the Chinese this land on pennies on the dollar, pennies on the dollar, uh, that all of a sudden now there's an urgency to get this this holdout rancher off of the land at any cost. Well, what it is is uh, our politicians over here know the Chinese own us, and they're just getting their seats in the front of the bus. And uh, the American tax make pay, American taxpayers getting thrown under the bus, and uh, that's the future of the United States, unfortunately. And uh, 
I hope, you know, Canada can kind of hold on to uh, more of a free, democratic country that we always thought we were. Well, uh, I don't know about that. For better or worse, we've sort of um, uh, hitched our wagon to your star and... (laughs) I think for, in many instances, uh, our government is sort of in lockstep with yours. I, I, I don't, I, I don't, uh, I'm not that optimistic about the prospects of, of liberty and freedom up here. As goes the United States, so goes Canada in many respects. Fred, listen, great to hear from you from Michigan, and I hope you'll call again. Thank you. All right. Who's up next, my good man, Tim? Just give me a name. Joe in Hamilton. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Good morning. Good morning, Richard. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. Uh, as you know, as you probably know, I follow visionaries and the messages they get from Jesus or the Virgin Mary or even God the Father. And I know of two visionaries in the last month that have received a message that we are on the brink of a third world war. One is uh, Michael De Benedetto out of Connecticut, and the other is Ned Doherty. I believe he is in New York. And to Ned Doherty, uh, the Virgin Mary said that she wants the Pope, this present Pope, Pope Francis uh, I, to consecrate Russia to her immaculate heart and the sacred heart of Jesus. And then she wants uh, him to consecrate the world to the uh, immaculate heart of Mary and the sacred heart of Jesus. As you know, it was Pope John Paul the 20, John the 23rd who got us out of the last uh, Cuban missile crisis and and that's why that if the if the pope would do that that would be a great means of of uh, of of averting war well here's the thing joe i hear what you're saying i'm familiar with the third secret of fatima but here's my point and my problem i'm an orthodox christian i'm not a yeah. catholic Russia is an orthodox country. They've already embraced Christianity. And under Vladimir Putin, uh, I mean, I think it's a force for good what's going on there. The reemergence of the orthodox church uh, in R- Russia, uh, um, rebuilding 23,000 churches that were destroyed under the Soviet uh, regime. Oh, you're quite right, Richard. Yeah. Vladimir is a saint compared to the oligarchs who are running the United States. They, they don't go to war. They hide in their bunkers. All right, Joe, got to move along, but thank you. Good to hear from you. And, uh, Take thank you. Do we have time for one more call here, Tim? Who do we have? Debbie is in Toronto. Welcome. Good morning, Debbie. Hi, Richard. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Great show. Appreciate this it. Is my experience, um, it's not completely mine, but my experience with Lyme disease. I had a girlfriend in Minnesota that lived on cottage property at her brother's, and it backed on to the bush. And right. you and I both know that deer carry, um, chicks and that's one th- way you can catch Lyme disease yes they had it they had it licked in two weeks I had a cousin in northern Ontario that also lived in the bush and cottage country they could not figure it out she had to go to Mexico to a clinic there and she was really really sick it took forever for for the north in Canada to, to catch on my uncle took her to Mexico and she was there for months well, uh, I know uh, I'm going to get Helky Ferry on the program, and, and she wrote an article recently, I think, for Vitality magazine, and, and in there is a case study of a, an individual who came to Canada from India, uh, contracted uh, Lyme disease, uh-huh. uh, went into a coma, 
They finally sent this person back to India where he was quickly uh, treated and the doctors uh, over there, and they do have, you know, people think, oh, India, poverty. They have a wonderful medical health system over yep, there, or uh, wonderful doctors, mm-hmm. very advanced in, in their medicine. And uh, they said they were scratching their heads. They say, why? This is so basic, so easily mm-hmm. treated. Why can't they figure it out in a, in a place like Canada? Mm-hmm. And uh, you can't even get a proper diagnosis in this country, from what I understand. We still have doctors who say it's in your head. It's not real. Unbelievable. Well, she was very, very sick. Like I said, my uncle took my aunt and uncle took her all the way to Mexico to a clinic, and I told them my girlfriend she caught it two weeks licked in Minnesota. Take her to the states. Antibiotics. Um. I would think so. This goes back a little bit, but I think it was antibiotics. Well, sometimes when it's really chronic, you see what happens is they have to treat it with more antibiotics than is traditionally used. And Uh this is why a lot of uh, doctors here are balking at the treatment. Uh, They're saying, no, you can't give someone that uh, amount of antibiotics, but apparently it does work. Listen, uh, thank you for the call. Got to run. Thank you. Great show. Tim Spreen, thanks for production. Uh, back next week with a brand new show. Hope you'll be along for the ride. The website, richardserrett.com. Don't forget to subscribe. So we can get to that 500 magic number and I'll start pumping out that weekly newsletter. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that will be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light, what I say in a whisper. Proclaim from the the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.